This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Welcome to our expert guest for this week, and it's David Cristello from Jetpack Workflow. David, good day to you. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. David, for people that haven't come across you and the great stuff that you do, just give us a little bit about your background and your areas of passion. Yeah, absolutely. I am the founder and CEO of Jetpack Workflow. So it's a cloud-based application that helps accounting firms uh, really around the world at this point track all of the recurring client work, uh, track those critical deadlines, uh, improve their overall team management, make sure everybody is on the same page. Uh, Outside of that, I'm also in the podcast arena like yourself. I'm the host of the Growing Your Firm podcast uh, and co-author of a book called Double Your Accounting Firm. Uh, and then outside of that, I just hang out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with my family. Well, it's great to have you on the show, David. And uh, what kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in generally right now? Because these are challenging times, no matter which way you look at it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, and I was about to say oddly enough, but I don't know if it's that odd when you think about it. But I was oddly enough, they've been, I, I think, in in great shape overall. I mean, we can talk about the challenges with with turnover. We can talk about the challenges with burnout or, you know, how to understand your scope uh, of services and stick to that. But I think overall, it's been one of the most resilient industries, you know, through the pandemic, um, which I think at the start of it, we weren't sure if that was going to be the case, but it's clearly been the case. And, you know, business owners themselves have adapted and all that's meant is that they need more, uh, you know, kind of advice and advisory services and back office support more than ever as their business model changes, as the nature of their organization changes. So I think there's certainly a lot of challenges ahead. The profession needs to evolve and change, but I think it's been one of the most kind of stable ones we've seen through the industry. Yeah, and sure it's stable because it's a compliance service. Business owners need it by law to stay ahead the right side of compliance. But you mentioned the word burnout, David. How do you feel accountants has a breed of dealt with the crazy stuff that's going on? Look, I, I, accountants, the ones we typically work with, at least they love, you know, serving and showing up for their clients. And the clients have had a, you know, outsized level of demand over the last few years, um, even though it's still in, in a weird way, it feels like a few days and other days it feels like a few centuries. But and what that means is you're trying to show up, you're trying to respond, you're trying to keep the same level of services. There's new ad hoc requests coming up all the time. And so I feel like overall, uh, we've we've done a so-so job, we'll call it. We have burned ourselves out as owners. Uh, by extension, we've burned out the team. 
and uh, we need to very thoughtfully approach work with when and how we say no to things, or even, I mean, I prefer a no versus a not now, because that not now, you still have to linger in your brain. But, you know, we, we've seen a lot of transformation that comes post burnout. We see this when they reduce the number of clients they serve, they niche down, they focus on a handful of key services. But I will say it's real. I say it happens, you know, frequently. And I think it's, uh, you know, you're probably in rare air if you've not felt some version of that over the last 18 months. Yeah. David, I know one of your passions is employability, employer brand, the whole employment area, the talent pool, what's happening in the accounting profession. How are things going in the pandemic and how have things perhaps changed? Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the nature of work is fundamentally changed. And not only do we see this moving to you know, obviously remote only or remote first environments. And I, I, I always looked at hybrid as remote first. Uh, if you're going to offer it, that means that's the default way you have to communicate. If you want to r- remain sane, uh, you can't have in-office conversations that don't live on the cloud or get updated or sent out as a memo later on. Um, and so that that one's, you know, certainly interesting. But I think what we're about to see if we're, if, you know, and seeing already is that the full-time employee, you know, to some extent, is diminished and will never come back. And so the contractor, gig, freelancer, part-time, onshore, offshore environment is gonna be a part of every modern accounting firm uh, team's DNA, in my opinion. You're gonna have that, and you probably had uh, levels of that in the past, and it's kind of waned back and forth depending on the seasonality of your firm, but I think it's really gonna be here to stay as a staple of how you try to supplement capacity in your firm, you know, especially as you know, you might have certain nuanced clients uh, show up with advanced questions, and you might need to pull in a consultant. You might might need to pull in an industry expert. That's kind of at the basic level, but I, I think you're going to start seeing firms really drive a lot of work-life balance by having this augmentation of part-time fractional or or, or contractor-based uh, team members. That's fascinating. So when you say the full-time employee, accounting practitioner, that's a thing of the past. Do you mean the full-time office employee in the office present, or do you mean the full-time employee period? Well, I did mean the latter, so full-time period. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're still going to have a percentage of the workforce that is full-time employee, 40 hours a week. They get benefits. They get re- they get their retirement plan. They're there, and they are stable, and that is not going away. But I would say as a percentage of the workforce, you were going to see that decrease because what's happening, you know, we, we, we saw this in, in 08, 09. Anytime you go through turbulence, it comes out and it just changes the nature of work and it changes the nature of what people expect. And I think we're seeing a growing pool of people that appreciate the flexibility of essentially freelancing or working gigs or doing project bases or, you know, a lot of parents have they've as they've had to be essentially at home teachers. Say, I want to go, I'm just doing part-time for now. I'm just doing part-time and, you know, we'll figure it out. And I think that's going to remain. I think that's going to be a non-trivial percentage of the workforce. And so for a lot of folks that are competing with talent, you should really consider bringing in folks that are maybe not the full-time employees you used to get, but contractor or freelance as well to help, you know, fill some of the major gaps in your firm. Yeah, that makes good sense. What would you say to perhaps leaders, owners of accounting firms that they want to drive culture so they need their people close to them? And yet those people are pushing back. They don't want to go back to the long commutes and trudging into the office, but they do want to be part of something. So there's a balance, isn't there? 
Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. This is very time consuming. And for folks that used to have an office, myself, we always, you know, all of us used to go to the office. You could be in some ways a little bit lazy with relationship building when you had this in the office. And so, you know, and and I agree with your point. People are not going to come back in five days a week. I mean, again, there's going to be, I would say, a minority percentage that do, but you can't compete if that's going to be your requirement, in my humble opinion. Uh, And so, whereas, you know, like I can recall from our office environment, we had a lot of lunch banter, I'll call it, you know, people would eat lunch together, we had a big lunch room, you could, you could catch up on minor work items, you could talk about industry news, you could talk about what's going on with the family or what's coming up this weekend. In a remote world, all of those things have to be planned. (laughs) That's the bad news, right? You know, the good news is you could still bring it back. So guess what? All the time you save on that commute to going to the office, you now have to use that to kind of plan out levels of humanity in a remote world. And I want to be very clear, that doesn't mean you just spin up 19 Zoom meetings a day. There's different tactical ways you can infuse humanity into your firm. And so I I do think asynchronous communication, I do think written communication is at a premium when you're remote, when you're hybrid. And so I do think a tactical element here is, you know, what is the firm owner or partner or leader doing as report outs every week or every month. I'm a big fan of a monthly memo about the state of the firm, maybe, you know, big cultural trends that are on your mind. You can send that out. There's a bunch of kind of new apps that have entered the ecosystem. We like one called Donut. It pairs up two random people for a 20-minute chat every week. So you build some of that. Uh, We do our meetings virtually. And, you know, sometimes afterwards we'll do a virtual lunch. And I'll tell you, when you get 14, 15, 18 people in one Zoom room, it can be very awkward, right? And so the thing we're experimenting with now is breakout rooms, or what we'll do is we'll spin up a game like a Pictionary, like a Scrabble, something like that, just to kind of align and build. And so I think there's fun things that help you make sure that everybody retains a level of humanity. But then in terms of alignment on where you're going as a firm, I do think you know you should still be running... I think at a minimum monthly all hands meetings. I love the the, the write ups every month, and uh, you know, frankly, if you can do it, you know, I would say weekly updates if you can. Maybe maybe just a couple bullet points of what's going out and a couple couple shout outs to people you you seem to do a good job. Um, and so the punchline is it's all doable, but now you have to spend time thinking about it. Whereas before you might have just shown up. And your, your natural state of being in the office brought people together, helped them feel comfortable, and that built trust. You don't have to design these things online, which is time-consuming. Yeah, sure. You've given a lot of great tactics there to boss this employment workplace situation. And given the need for an employer brand, the war for talent, any advice to the leaders, accounting firm owners to are growing, they do want more people in, whether they outsource or do something else, they do want to be attractive to the talent out there, whether that's talent coming into the profession or those lateral, more senior hires. Any thoughts for them, David, on becoming that go-to firm of choice to work for? Well, I think if you are methodically trying to improve the performance and trust relationship in your firm, then your current team is your best source at looking to be an attractive firm. Right, because because employee referrals typically bring in some of the best team members, and if your employees believe in the firm and where it's going, then I think that's first and foremost 
you know, where you should start is, and we talked about this a little bit in the past. If you feel like your team is aligned, that makes recruiting a lot easier. They either know somebody in their ecosystem, or they might even be part of the interviewing or onboarding process. So I think that's really, really important from kind of a cold perspective. Like if you can't get a warm intro from your team, maybe they don't know anybody, everybody's happily employed. I will say the one tactic I've thought about a lot and I've done a lot is I will say, just tell me who you love working with. And even if they're not looking for a job, I'd love to talk to them. I just want to meet great people that could be aligned. Even if we're not going to hire them today, I would love to, you know, back in the day, I would say, buy them a lunch, buy them a coffee. I guess, I guess send them a grub, you know, here, you know, send them a food card, send them a grub up or whatever. Um, but I, I think that's a really big thing too, is even if they're not actively looking, if your current team just knows exceptional talent, start getting on the radar early. We've seen the business models change over the last couple of years. The game has changed. We hear about the subscription, the subscription economy and how firms are changing their processes. We'll talk about workflow in a moment, but uh, what is the subscription economy and how is that affecting firms, David? Yeah, and to, and to give credit where credit's due, you know, I first came across this, this, this verbiage through Ron Baker. He probably came across it through so-and-so. I, I, I'm not sure, but... I actually had Ed Kless on the show just recently talking about business models and he and Ron Baker do the Soul of Enterprise podcast together. So yeah, great stuff. Yeah, well, it's just essentially buying into the premise that the predictability of building things as a subscription is what consumers and businesses want in not only product providers, but in service providers. And so we've seen this model a lot kind of take hold in the consumer marketplace, whether you're subscribing to uh, a clothing company uh, or uh, music or television, entertainment's obviously taken hold of it. You see this in food subscription. Uh, this is really taking a hold in business as well. And you can almost look at, you know, some of the consumer trends as always being leading indicators of where business may end up three, four, five, six years. And it's really taken a hold in businesses. And But I, I feel still like there's an opportunity for firms to make sure that they both create it and then put it front and center to highlight the predictability and visibility and security you'll provide from a service scope perspective and from a payments perspective. Because I think the clients you want to bring on board are the ones that say, yes, I'm happy to pay a few hundred, maybe a few thousand dollars or pounds or bitcoins or whatever you're charging in to get the scope of services that deliver an appropriate outcome for that client. They are going to retain longer. It's going to be a closer relationship. And it's also going to make you really think about what is a meaningful touch point. You know, is it every month? Is it every quarter to connect with that client? I think every smart business owner is going to lean in that and look for that from their accounting provider. And, you know, I will tell you right now, if you're a firm owner and you're listening and you have clients that are using you plus other financial service providers, maybe you plus an outsourced CFO, you plus a bookkeeper, or you plus anybody that's kind of in your arena. If you're not going to figure this out, one of those other two are, and they're just going to move all their services to that to that firm they're working with. Uh, and so I think it's a huge competitive advantage from a client retention perspective. I think the client wins by having that clarity. And I think the long-term value from having a subscription client uh, is, is sizably more than what you're currently doing if you're doing one-off seasonal work. Yeah, makes complete sense. Let's talk about workflow, David. Obviously, this is a topic close to your heart with Jetpack there. What's going on with workflow right now? Because there's so much data going around in accounting firms, so many points, so many things to 
collaborate on, to share, or across different offices. We're all remote now. We need to coordinate things. We need to see things falling through the cracks. Give us a, a description of this space currently. Well, I think by the nature of the team transforming, and we've seen an increase in the number of stakeholders, both internally or externally. So a client's not just one person. It could be three people. It could be the owner, the admin, plus their partner. Uh, and like even internally, it could be your team. It could be three full-time employees, plus a part-timer, plus a contractor. And, and so we've seen just the nature of the stakeholders in a work file or work environment increase dramatically. And so what does that mean? That means you have, uh, and I'm a big fan of workflow and I'm a big fan of people, but the more people you introduce, the more points of failure are likely to happen. And so the nature of workflow right now is that, you know, something we're doing a lot of investigation in right now is passing the baton has never been harder. Making sure that something's been handed off to the client and the client hands it back and you say, God, it looks good, has never been more complicated, more nuanced, and has more points of failure this year than, than any year prior. I think a lot of the work historically has been focused on the task instead of the team. And I think the shift for workflow is they're going to start thinking about all the stakeholders that need to be involved, how you pass the baton between internal departments, internal team members, or between the firm and the client, I think is only going to increase in importance. And, you know, frankly, and I kind of put myself in this bucket, we got so in love with the task, perfect task list, the perfect way to describe the task, the perfect task description, the perfect documentation, all of those things, you know, documentation is important. The task list or checklist is important, but it's the team that gets client work done on time. And yes, they need to understand what's going on, but how they work together and how they pass off work is going to be critically important over the next couple of years if you want to maintain a level of work-life balance, profitability, and great client satisfaction. I totally get that. And there's plenty of workflow traps that we fall into. I might ask you, what is the biggest competitor to Jetpack workflow? You probably say Excel spreadsheets, and that's the, often the way we track things, isn't it? So, But the game's changing, right? Yeah, well, I, I'll talk about two traps, but I would say yes. The you know, oftentimes in workflow software, productivity software, the two main competitors: one is spreadsheets, and two is I'm just going to do the same thing I've always done. Right? It, it, it's hard to move the boulder sometimes when something is working okay, or a new fire shows up on your lap, and you're like, actually, I got to take care of this. Just had uh, you know somebody put in there two weeks. Got to figure out that situation before I figure out the workflow situation. Uh, or this is working okay enough, it got us here, and you know, do I really want to do this? But I would say two common traps just from a holistic workflow perspective. You know, one of the classic ones we, we might have mentioned in past trainings is you know, you, you you begin the work before you're ready to begin the work, or what we call start when ready. So if you are not if you don't have some level of QA quality assurance process in your checklist. You know, if you need to get materials from a client, if you need to get materials from another team member, if you're not actually thoroughly checking to make sure you have all those materials, and only then once you confirm you have all those materials starting the process, then you are wasting time and you're wasting money in your firm. And I think there's a big excitement to say, well, we have enough to get started and we'll get the rest of the stuff later. And that creates a huge amount of waste in their firm. And it really covers up a lot of actual inefficiencies because it looks like everybody's working, but then what you don't account for is all the rework they have to do or all the recon uh, contextual work they have to do to get back in the client file. Uh, so that's a really critical one. And then the second one I would say is forgetting the client as part of the workflow. You know, how is the client experiencing this workflow? Do they understand what's going on? Do they understand where they're going to get something? Do they understand what they need to deliver on their behalf? Do they understand how they're going to be communicated with? Uh, we had a firm that actually did something crazy. They asked clients, 
how they want to be communicated with. And they gave them, uh, I think it was, I think it was three options, phone, text, or email. Now, good news, if you're listening and you're like, I would never text my clients, that's great. Just do phone and email. If you say, I'll never do email, doesn't matter. You get to pick. It's, this is your world you're creating, right? So they had those three. And then they said, look, this is great. We'll text you. And we just want to have, and there's nothing too overly formal, uh, an agreement that says, if we text you, you'll get back to us in a timely manner within two business days from our request. Does that sound reasonable? I said, yes. That change, plus actually the start when ready, allowed them to uh, you know, they had turnover right before tax season. They were able to do the same amount of returns with one less person. So they did that out of need. But the good news is if you're listening, now is a great time to put this in place before you find yourself in a situation where you're down a team member and you have a giant amount of work that's coming your way in 30 days. How revolutionary, asking your clients what they want. That could catch on, David. <laughs> yeah, there's a phrase that it's, it's pretty, pretty popular, uh, you know, in, in some circles. We hear it a lot in uh, writing courses. Uh, it's the acronym KISS, which is keep it, keep it uh, simple, stupid. I like, I like the phrase keep it stupid, simple, right? I, want, I don't want it simple. I want it stupid, simple. What is the like, you know, instead of trying to figure out the most complicated way to, get, to connect with clients, Let's just ask the clients, give them two options, document it and send it out. So that's where I'm like, you know, let's even go below simple and stupid simple because there's so much going on. That is usually the best course to take. It's usually the fastest one and it's the quickest way to build up ROI for whatever you're doing. Yeah, there's a great quote from Jack Welsh, ex of General Electric, who said, any idiot can make something more complex. If you're going to give me a new idea, pitch it to me like I'm a five-year-old. And that really encapsulates it, doesn't it? So yeah, David, there's there's just one follow up on that. I mean, I think a useful question to ask is if I could only solve this problem by removing things, what would I do? So you've been running a podcast yourself and uh, it's growing your accounting firm, growing your firm. So what kind of people listen to that show, David? So they're typically accounting, bookkeeping, payroll firm owners or partners or those about to start one of those uh, businesses. And you know, we, we've been doing the, the show for a few years now. And, you know, just, just to give a couple highlights from it, uh, which I think will be very validating probably on your show. I hope you're going to quote my episode now when I came on your show and did a really good interview. I hope this is going to be a highlight. Yeah, well, I will say taking care. We talked a lot about team. We talked a lot about, you know, the best way to recruit is to first and foremost, make sure you solidify your base. We, you know, we talk about this on the client level a lot, you know, instead of always going after new clients, new clients, new clients, how are you retaining and on the client front, adding more services or upselling clients. And I thought, you know, our interview was very interesting because you took a contrarian approach, which is to say, let's pause that, focus on the team. How do we retain that team? And that's great, creating great culture, a great environment, making sure that they're aligned with where we're going from a mission vision perspective. So I do think, a, you know, a core aspect of the modern firm owner is that they schedule some time to methodically think about their culture and their team environment. It's almost where we you know, started you know, a little bit earlier talking about that is like the good news is if you're working from home you have more time but use that time meaningfully in your firm you know uh, if 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 you need to if you if you can and i think that team retention is a really critical piece and i think we've all been impacted by the great resignation across every industry it was like it kind of hit one and then it went to the next and went to the next we just keep feeling it you, you know and I, maybe the final one is not the government we're hearing from the government they're having the great resignations maybe that's the last frontier of this of this trend but i think that's critically important and i i even though it's a, it's a common point the other one i want to mention is that pack you know subscription fixed fee packaging plus niching down 
nine times out of 10 should elevate you to a seven figure firm. I mean, we've just pattern matched this time and time again. When you say we do back off, we do bookkeeping for design agencies. We do, you know, tax planning for, you know, wealthy retired executives, niching down and being able to deliver a package-based service, just catapult your firm every single time. We, you know, somebody crosses a seven figure threshold and they have a smile on their face. It's because they've niched down and they've packaged and they have recurring revenue in their business. Every time we've interviewed somebody that is not smiling as much, right? That, and their hair's on fire a little bit, then it's because they haven't figured out one of those two things. So I don't want to downplay the, the nature that you need to have an exceptional team. You need to build a great culture. But uh, if, you, if you don't align kind of on those second and third options, I mean, you're really going to find yourself just kind of, it's going to be harder and harder to continue to grow. You should write a book called Double Your Accounting Firm. That would be a great, wait a minute, you already have. <laughs> and I guess this is the kind of stuff that you do. Here it is for those watching on the video. It's uh, Exhibit A, David Stern right now. And, and that espouses a lot of the things you talk about on your show, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's essentially it. It got to a point where the show had so many episodes and we kind of got the same questions over and over again. You know, we decided to, you know, even though you can watch the show at 2X, that's still a lot of time. So if you want to breeze through this 200 page book, you know, in a couple hours, you can kind of download, you know, probably the first 100, 150 episodes, you know, and we, we've chaptered them out from team management to pricing to workflow to M&A. We link up the podcast interviews uh, that, that were associated with each chapter. So we give credit where credit's due. Uh, there's probably, you know, on the horizon, a second edition, because we've done so many interviews since this first one. But I mean, this is truly the, the best way to get a summary of the podcast. Yeah, terrific. And you've been going a few years now. How many downloads are you up to now, David, with the show? Uh, so I just know it's north of 750,000. Maybe we'll throw like a 1 million download party where we'll send out some cakes or something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a real treat just to, you know, meet some of the smartest firm owners. I'm sure that's what you enjoy about, you know, not that I'm a firm owner, but you, you get to talk with people in the profession and really learn and get new novel insights. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from the podcast? Well, I, I think, you know, the, those three together is kind of the biggest lesson. I mean, we've talked with either through our software platform, through the podcast. I could tell you, you know, when I, when I talk with a firm owner that maybe they're just at the beginning of their journey, they've just hired their first or second employee and they start telling me about their niche. They start telling me how they've packaged their services. They start telling me, or I hear tactical elements of how they're thinking about the culture. I'm like, this is a million dollar firm. You know, they're, they're going to be five, six, eight, 10 people in the next two years. I mean, this is their game to lose at this point, which is exactly where you want to be. You want to feel like you have all the momentum at your back. And so I feel like, you know, and, and of course, you know, being a software company, you know, I guess it's a default. We expect them to invest in some level of, you know, software and applications to help elevate their performance. But those three elements are really the rocket fuel. And when I meet a small firm and they're saying those things, like this is, again, unless unless they trip themselves up, which can happen, of course, this is their firm to lose. David, if people are loving what you say and want to learn more about Jetpack Workflow or your podcast or the book, we'll put your website and your LinkedIn address into the show notes. But what's a good way for them to reach you privately? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, David Cristello. Um, I'm sure you can link that up. So if you want to message me, you know, that could be a great way to do it. Uh, if you want some of the resources that I mentioned, so jetpackworkflow.com, give you an overview of the software. You can start a free trial. We have 70 plus workflow templates that, that are included in every trial. So even if you want to kick it around, see some of the templates, I think that's a good use of time. If I, you know, if you want to take a look at the book, 
Uh, we have a free digital download in the footer of our website. We also have a free digital download of 32 spreadsheet templates. So you can start your own checklists. Uh, of course, you can buy the physical copy on Amazon as well, but uh, go to the website. There's free trials, free books, and free templates. So go check it out. Terrific. So in closing, David, let's get your crystal ball out. Look to the future. We've got AI going on and machine learning. We've got the post-pandemic ap apocalyptic world and what that looks like. We've got firms trying to pivot and stand out, doing things that are not so obvious. Just pick out two or three pointers for our listeners on what's coming up in the next few years. So I do think, you know, whether it's artificial intelligence or machine learning, I just like to call it smart software is on a horizon. So software that it can actually learn what you're doing and provide predictive insights on how to, how to do better, how to be better, how to communicate better, how to reach out to your clients sooner, analyze your database of work to see what's going well, what's not going well, where you have capacity constraints, for example, well before you realize it. I think we're still in a world where a lot of things are very reactive. You might you might, or, or you catch it just in time. Uh, and so I think, you know, some of the big value in AI from a productivity standpoint is just, you know, in, inputting a lot of data, understanding what you're doing and giving you intelligent insights on how to improve. I do think that, you know, thinking much further out the state of finance and contract management from a blockchain perspective is going to be, you know, a true mind bender, we'll call it over the next decade. And the use cases are obviously still being sorted out, but I do believe it is kind of like in the early 90s. I hope it's the early 90s, not like the late 70s of the internet age. And I think the decentralized work that contract management through the blockchain technology can take on will be really interesting uh, and certainly have implications for the accounting industry. So take on a, one example as we wrap up here, but you know some of the technology that's coming out now is if you are an artist, you are an author, and you create what you whatever you create, a painting, a book, song, we'll go with a painting and uh, or a digital painting in this case, and you sell it online, you sell it online to a notable art collector who once upon buying it immediately increases the value because the market says, hey, this art collector knows what they're doing, they bought this thing, so the price goes up. And two years later, that art collector sells it to somebody else. And then it enters into a, maybe a virtual public gallery, maybe it goes to another art gallery. You know, in the in current state, the artist makes money one time. They sell the piece. In the future state, they will be able to have perpetual royalty against their art forever as it gets resold. And so the implications of that for accounting and finance and tax and for uh, succession planning and for wills will be really interesting, probably a bit complicated if they ever want to sell their share of essentially that royalty on anything that, they, that they've produced. Um, and so I do think there's kind of long-term interesting positive implications to, to, to blockchain technology, both finance and contract management, but it's still early. And uh, obviously they're, they're sorting out a, a lot of kinks in the machine. Well, we'll get you back on the show in a little while to find out if these are coming to pass. We know they're in the domain right now, but uh, getting more and more used. David Cristola, that's been brilliant. Thanks so much for your passion and your insights today. It's been great. Shout out to one of our newest commercial partners, it's Practice Ignition. How would you explain what those guys do? Businesses such as accounting and bookkeeping firms use Practice Ignition to one, help them grow, 
two, be more efficient, and three, create win-win client relationships. How global are these guys? There are nearly 5,000 accounting and professional services firms around the world who use practice ignition, and they do so to win new business with impressive digital proposals. They engage clients with a clear scope of work and get paid on time by automating payment collection. PI integrates with the leading business apps such as Gusto, QuickBooks, Xero, Zapier, and it does so to automate time-consuming tasks, allowing the practitioner to run their practice on autopilot and automate time-consuming tasks such as client onboarding or invoicing. 91% of their customers spend less time creating proposals and chasing signatures and payments. 87% were able to cancel other software subscriptions and 80% are fewer or no unpaid invoices at any given time. That's amazing. So if you're in the US, we'd say, say hello to zero account receivable. If you're in the UK, we'd say impressions that last payments made fast. And if you're in Australia, we'd say first impressions that win new business every time. For the entire world, the bottom line is that you can get to use PI right now. We've got a special offer from our PI partners. Use the code AIR21 to receive 25% of all plans for your first six months. Info.ignitionapp.com forward slash AIP for accounting influencers.